the unofficial, unexpected, and unfiltered Canadian motocross race review featuring Ryan the Newf Lockhart and Ryan Galt with your host, Ken Ken. Woo! Hello everyone, uh, thanks for listening. My name's Ken, I'm a Moto fan just like you. I also happen to be Canadian. Uh, and I have spent a lot of time listening to motocross podcasts. Uh, unfortunately, none of those podcasts are based on the Canadian motocross series. So I thought, hey, maybe we need to uh, get some guys together and start talking about the Canadian motocross series. So I reached out to uh, Ryan the new Lockhart and Ryan Gauld, a.k.a. Galdi. And uh, we decided to put together a little podcast and, and uh, start talking about the things that happen on a weekly basis up here in Canada. Now, the first thing you'll probably notice is that the audio isn't quite uh, up to the standards that you would expect, especially if you're a fan of Steve Mathis, uh, the audio king of the motocross universe. But it's something we can keep working on and something that we will get better. Uh, one thing you'll find, I think, is that the content is insightful and relevant. I hope you guys uh, will will stick with it and uh, help us grow and grow with us. And going forward, we're going to make the podcast better. We're going to keep doing this every week, and we're going to keep uh, this this ball rolling. And hopefully, you guys will enjoy it and keep listening. So, thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. And without further ado, let's get into the podcast. So, as mentioned today, here on the Triple Crown Series Canadian Motocross Podcast. We have uh, Ryan the New Flockhart and uh, Ryan Gauld, otherwise known as Galdi. So I guess first of all, Newf, you were at the race. Uh, what did you think of the track as a whole and just the facility, the race, just everything in general? Yeah, I mean, for sure. There's no question it was, uh, it was a bit interesting, kind of what we heard coming in. I mean, <laughs> it's... Uh, yeah, interesting is all I can really say. I mean, the, the pits were probably one of the bigger issues for me for the fact that it was literally over a kilometer each way to where they had the semis parked, so way up on a hill, so which made it a little bit difficult uh, difficult for <laughs> that side of things. But the track, um, it honestly raced better than I thought it was going to. I rode the amateur day on Saturday. And it was the worst track I've ever ridden in my life, and that's not even that's not even me being exact exaggerating on that. It was marbly, dry, hard, and just not very well prepped. But um, I think they quickly got a eye opener of exactly when all the you know Kingsley and all these guys started rolling in and seeing what was going on. They uh, they needed to get their shit together. So they did do a better job on the prep for, for Sunday, and they got super lucky. Of course, a little rainstorm rolled through there, um, which helped uh, put some moisture in the track. But like I said, it did race better than I thought, but by no means uh, was it uh, was it one for the, the record books. So let's put it that way. Yeah, uh, I was interviewing Mitchell Harrison after the race, and he mentioned that it was a lot like Lake Elsinore. And- uh, everything I've ever heard about Lake Elsinore is not a good uh, description. So, yeah, um, I, I mean, it had a it had a cool layout. Like, the, there was nothing wrong with the layout, that's for sure. And I mean, the thing is, is you can't make shitty dirt good dirt overnight. There's 
you know, that's, that's impossible. Um, I personally thought that the harder, the harder pack the track got, the better it got. And that's how I felt that it was on, um, on Saturday when I rode amateur day, they tried to disc and they tried to, you know, make it look all pretty and, and stuff like that. It didn't work because the dirt, the clumps were so hard, like even harder than like a Calgary base, if that is even possible. Um, so the shittier and harder it got, the better the track was, in my opinion, because you could actually move around on it um, rather than them trying to disc it and, and make it look all pretty. So um, I felt like the, the track got better as the day, day both days went on. Okay, so Galdi, uh, this this race was the uh, sprint race format, so three fifteen minute motos. What what do you think of that? Is that something you you, you find enjoyable when you're watching? What do you think of that? Uh, well, if, uh, like you said, Newf was on site. I wasn't there. I watched the Ride TV app, which once again was good. No mistakes or hiccups or anything in the show, so that was kind of good. Um, you know, as a fan sitting on the couch. Um, although I was sitting with my father in law. Uh, just to kind of step off of what you asked me. I'm sitting with my father-in-law. He's just kind of getting into the sport. Obviously, really likes it. My kids are riding. So he was a grandpa that likes riding. He watched the first two motos, and he fell asleep. Um, fully <laughs> fell asleep beside me on the couch. And I'm just like, I had a hard time. It was two of the worst shot motos in our Canadian television history. It literally showed, like, one guy, both motos. It really did not give anything helpful for the guys in the booth to talk about, Jack Crapella uh, and, and Brett Lee. And I texted Justin Thompson. He's in the booth back at Sarnia. I'm like, dude, you got to fix this. And he, he mentioned they had new camera guys. And then the last four motos were awesome. They did a way better job. So kudos being able to adjust in the fly um, for that sort of thing. And as far as the 15-minute sprint, I, I don't know how I'm on it. Like, I mean, it, it, it really showcased some good stuff in those last four motos. Uh, again, watching from TV. Um, but even in the shorter moto who's gonna get better like all the same guys were up front like it was all the same main dudes um you know showcase how amazing piccolo is on starts uh doing that back to back showcase a little bit how bad rider is on starts although i know he was a, a little under the weather coming in which Newf could probably attest to later on um but i, I kind of like the format it's cool to mix things up um it's uh, so i i'm cool with it i you know i think it's, it's kind of cool i don't know if maybe this round might have been the good round to do it um, but they got to pick one from the West. And, um, uh, like I said, I'm a fan of the sport. I'll watch them race anywhere, anytime on any soil. And, uh, as far as the sprint motors goes, I'm, I'm a fan of it. And if I could just kick back on the track side of things, I mean, you know, we're in a very judgmental world. Okay. We do these podcasts, you, you, you know, myself, Ryan Locker, myself and Ryan Locker, we give our opinions. We've been around, we got experience. The, the best way to sum up this last weekend is it can only go up because that is likely the bottom of the barrel as far as a Canadian national and what it has seen over the course of the, like it's been, it has never been that sort of bad since when me and Ryan were riding in the nineties, when water trucks and, and groomers and, and yeah. empty staff. And, and I, and I get it. People aren't going to like to hear that, but that is not a good look for our professional triple crown. Now I can compare this to the MXGPs. They go to Indonesia or Thailand and stuff like that. Those tracks were garbage. They never went there again. Now, is this a one and done? Yeah, there was a lot of riders and team managers that I talked to that say they hope it is. They were very unsafe. They were very unhappy. It was unsafe. Of course, the, the, the crews and everything, they tried hard. They did what they could, and they got away with it. But, you know, we saw a couple really bad injuries. Now, that's not the track, the sport. You mix it all together. It just was not a great look uh, for the Triple Crown customer 
the parents and the racer, the team organ, the team manager. Not a good look right there. And again, it can only go up from here. And then hopefully, you know, they can make it away. But I would say before we started this, I had a, I, I texted to make sure I got some. You know, me not being at the track really pisses me off because I'm in everybody's face and asking questions. So I texted everybody I knew that would answer, give me answers, and it really all came back to the same thing, saying it was, it wasn't good. It, it, it was not good, and and mm. um, they're really looking forward to moving on to the next next race and getting away from that. And like I said, it can only go up from here, and hopefully people don't. Oh my God, God, he's an asshole. Says this and that. It's, this, we're here to judge, and we're here to you know uh, look at this stuff. And uh, it was a tough a tough weekend from all standards from anybody that I talked to, and even watching on the TV show was it was uh, it it did not look great. But uh, again, it can only go up from here, and that's just my two cents. The sprint thing, it's cool. I like the sprint stuff. Yeah, as far as the sprints, I had my family with me there, and and uh, it's undeniable. Uh, just talking to my kids that more starts is is better for for spectators, especially little kids and stuff like that. Because the start, there's so much noise, and they they just really loved it. So having the extra start uh, every day or in a, in a race day is, is pretty good. Look, if you want to draw more eyes to our sport, you need to be able to see the fastest guys more often on race days. Our sport is born and bred on 30 plus two long ass motos, tough, gnarly situations. Everybody's in shape. Unfortunately, every other sport, basketball, hockey, whether they're making amendments and changes to draw that fan closer to the sport that they're into motocross needs to do that. The sprint format has sort of opened the doors and funny thing, Brett Lee always claims that this was his idea. But it was actually JSR's idea in a hotel in the Hamilton Arena Cross telling me, he's like, we need to shorten the motos. These kids can't last it and it gets boring out there. I'm like, are you really saying that? The guy that was the biggest, (laughs) hardest trainer in the world? But anyway, um, it it can work. It's definitely like they do in the States. It shouldn't happen at every race. But to mix it up like that, I totally agree, Ken. And and, uh, to see the kids, actually, if your kids were drawn into that, that's awesome because, like, you know, Half of our kids, like my kids, they'll watch one moto and not the next moto and stuff like that. If it's 30 minutes longer, they can only watch 10 minutes and they'd rather go pick their nose and eat a popsicle or something. Yeah, that was the same with my kids. They they watch the start in the first half a lap and then they're off into the woods. But uh, Okay, let's just get into the riders here. Um, so we'll start with the 250 class. Um, so obviously Mitchell Harrison had a, a really good day. He went 1-1-2. Um, he, like I said, he mentioned in my post-race interview, uh, that the track reminded him of some Southern California tracks, so I guess it's no surprise that he uh, he did as well as he did. But Galdi, what do you what do you think uh, Mitchell's ride? Um, I'm wondering in a closed room about Kevin Tyler, Derek Schuster, Steve Sims, even even Chad uh, going. Well, I'm glad we really changed that rule at the beginning of the year to make him all the race. <laughs> but uh, that's a small jokes aside on that one. Obviously that was a bit of a weird thing to start the season off, but uh, the rule change and here he is. And man, he kicked ass. I was impressed, especially with the second moto, um, where Piccolo actually got him back. They got back a couple times and, and, uh, I, I wouldn't say that he would be a guy. Newf knows him from amateur ranks. He used to be an Atlas athlete. And, uh, I, I wouldn't picture him as a guy, being good on soil like that. He grew up Michigan, uh, trained at GPF as an amateur. And yeah, he saw some Southern California tracks like El- like Elsner, but not like, not like a ton. So I was, I was uber impressed the way that he, uh, soldiered through and kind of wore Piccolo down and then kind of outsmarted him too. It was, it was great to see no matter what side of the fence you sit on that rule change. He, he earned that, uh, win on the weekend and it was, it was impressive. And he's right here in the title hunt now after he was down about, I don't know what it was, 12 or 16 points there. He's right back in it after an impressive weekend. So Newf, uh, Galdi mentioned Piccolo. Uh, so he went second. He got uh, two two one moto scores. 
Uh, what do you think of his ride? I mean, he once again, his starts are unbelievable. Like, what an at, like start average. He was pull shot, or he he was he never started outside the top three. The crazy thing about Piccolo is, is besides, and and this will go back a little bit in history. If we look to last year, how many guys did he pass throughout the whole series? And then even this year, of course, now Kamloops, he went down in the first corner, so he passed a lot of guys. But he makes the moto so easy on himself because of his start position. He gets ahead of those good guys, and he lets the race kind of come to him. And, you know, honestly, an old uh, two, two years ago Piccolo, he would have been upside down on his head on that track. <laughs> like It was like glass. And he has really matured as a rider. He's really matured as a racer. And he knows how to manage this championship. Look at him. He's back in the points lead here again. Um, got the red plate going into Manitoba, two rounds in, doing what he needs to do. And it, it really, honestly, just boils down to his starts. Um, he did go down in the first moto, and I'm like, oh, here we go. But he fought back, and he got back by Racine at the end of it and just manages the race. Um, he, he, yeah, he, he was really good. Um, considering on a track that could have went really bad for him because of throttle control and stuff. But he managed. It was good. Yeah, and uh, speaking of uh, Sebastian Racine, 3-4-3 um, three, three for third overall. That's a good uh, good day for him. Uh, Galdi, what did you think of his ride? Uh, impressive. Um, we alluded to on the podcast that never happened after Kamloops uh, about how we thought he might not be in shape after going 3-9. Um, and the sprint moto played in his favor. Like Piccolo, he got great starts. Those KTM bikes look like they're working good, and the kids got confidence on the gate drops. And if you get in that mix and you know you're only going for 15 minutes, he looked like he was able to push the entire time, and um, he didn't put up a ton of a fight when anybody was around him, but he was not really kind of around a lot of guys in all three of the starts. He kind of got into his own little box and sort of stayed there and, and made it work. So uh, a great confidence builder by the young kid, 15 years old, um, just out of uh, near the Ottawa area. And as he gets going and we get east, I think he's – I don't know if he's going to get better, but he'll stay more consistently in that position as the confidence rises. And uh, so good to see. A great family, good kid. And uh, he had some really good interviews up there uh, when he was on TV as well. So uh, I liked it. I liked what I saw at 30, and I, I hope it stays that way And and because uh, he's a bit of a surprise right now. So, Noof, uh, your guy, Ryder McNabb, 4-3-4, uh, that's kind of a quiet day for him. I think I know what you're going to say, but uh, what do you think of his ride? Yeah, I mean, for sure, it was uh, obviously the expectation. It was a lot higher coming into the weekend than a 4-3-4, than a um, but he was sick, and I hate saying those. It seems like it's the, uh, the going around thing right now is that everybody's sick, but he was literally really sick this week. He didn't ride, he didn't train. Um, and he struggled bad all day. Um, come to find out, uh, chest infection. He went. He finally. Well, he went to a clinic yesterday when he got back to Manitoba. But chest infection. So um, hopefully it clears up for this week. But uh, literally, he went out in the first uh, untimed qualifier in the morning, and he did two laps. And he said he couldn't couldn't breathe. So it was a it was a challenging day for him. Um, where I felt that. That could have been a good day for him with that type of soil. He's good at that hard pack stuff. And um, he showed speed, but starts weren't there. Um, I mean, they were actually, if you want to look at a positive from his starts, 
there was three top 10 starts, which last year that wouldn't have been the case. So <laughs> they were all top 10 if we want to look at a positive out of it. Um, but still not to what he needs to, uh, to to bring this championship home. He needs he needs to be top five because um, he had to pass the Benix every moto and he had to pass the Amiots and guys that take time. They're, they're not slow. Um, so, like I said, it literally after we talked to him after the first practice, it was like, let's manage this thing. Let's not, you know, let's just be consistent and try to get some points. And, of course, he lost the red plate. But um, going into Manitoba, hopefully he gets his health under control and, and things are things are better next weekend. Uh, Quinn Amiot, uh, fifth overall, 6-7-7. Seven, seven. So that's pretty similar to what he did last weekend. A little better, actually. Uh, Galdi. Uh, what do you think of his day? Uh, I like it. Uh, Quinn was he was a little quiet, didn't get a ton of TV time. Uh, a couple little moments when Ryder was coming through the pack, I think in moto number two, where they battled and showed a little bit of him and Benick as well. But um, I, I like what I'm seeing out of Quinn. It's funny, I, I knew might have saw it this week because I think he probably follows him on social. You might have hit too, Kim, but he posted a video of him doing a moto at Calgary. And uh, he alluded to our podcast of where I brought up a a, a point and we all kind of not just him in particular but these kids they never show them just working hard it's them blowing up a berm or doing some <laughs> oppo fucking whip or some other dumb instagram thing and again that's what they do i guess I, again i sound like this old guy thing but you know and so he posted it uh doesn't moto just shows or something like that and i read that and i'm like hey yeah buddy that's what i see i'm glad you're doing motos use it as fuel for the fire and he's like i know i know i feel i'm working hard and blah 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 we had a little conversation and uh, i like what i see and i think with quinn i his top end speed is not mcnab piccolo harrison speed and again i wouldn't even put harrison in there at the beginning i, I mean we didn't put him in our original re- or preview podcast but i think he could you could see him getting better and closing the gap as we come east i don't see them beating him but I think this is the year where Quinn needs to get a third in a moto. Like he's seen Sebastian Racine do it now two weeks in a row. It's not going to happen this week in Manitoba, but it has got to happen at the Walton, Gopher, Sandalee, somewhere in there. It's got to happen. He's got to get a third to really showcase that. Yes, he is working hard. He's got to, he's, you know, he's earning his spot because he's going fast right now, but he's just that tick behind those fast guys. And he'll, he'll need some cars to fall his way, but, He's got to make it happen this year for a third for, to make me keep believing that the work that he's doing is showcasing on the map. Uh, so 10-6-5 for sixth overall for Marco Canella. I guess uh, looking at the positives, he got better as the day went on. But Noof, what did you think of that that ride? Well, uh, I mean, not what he's expected to do. There's no question. I don't think he would argue argue that fact either that those moto results aren't uh, anything to write home about. He did go down in the uh, second corner. The first moto, I was standing right there with Kevin Tyler, and he looked completely defeated because of the because of that. Of course, it happened to Marco, but I don't know, man. It just the the, the third moto he started in there. Like he, I want to say he was third um, off the start of the of the third moto, and he had the opportunity to ride with those guys, and he just didn't look overly comfortable on that on that type of soil. Uh, Piccolo and and Harrison just kind of motored away from him a bit. And then he got caught. Uh, yeah, he got caught by McNabb and McNabb went by him. So 
I'm sure he's, uh, at this point in time, he's probably scratching his head a little bit himself and, and just wondering what he's got to do um, to get to that next to that next level. I mean, this weekend, Manitoba, with being a little more ready, and, and it's supposed to be super hot this weekend. I just looked at the forecast, forecast 33 on Sunday. Oh. So that's where I think we'll see him kind of come in. Obviously, the guy's in phenomenal shape, and, and he's a grinder in that, in that sense. But... Uh, Definitely, uh, yeah, not a rebound uh, ride after after what kind of his results in Kamloops. So um, I'm sure he's probably just looking forward to getting, getting this this weekend in Manitoba over with and, and moving to the east when uh, when he really kind of starts to shine in some better tracks for him. Seventh overall was Julian Benick, 11-5-6. Uh, uh, what do you think of that ride, Goldie? Uh, showed some good moments there. I'm not too sure what happened with the 11th. He must have crashed. I'm guessing because he was crash. Fa- he did yeah, crash. Okay, crash. I don't think crash. I don't think the, Yeah, literally the TV showed uh, Harrison and, and Piccolo. That was uh, sorry, not Harrison. Uh, oh yeah, sorry, Harrison and Piccolo. The whole show like have no clue what happened to anybody else in that moto uh, for the first one. So um, yeah, crash. But showing speed and you know uh, he's just kind of getting back into it. Only been on the bike a little bit, so it looks good uh, for him on there. And it. Uh, um, I know he had a DNF at Kamloops with a bike issue. That's so that's good. And they Felix Lopez had a bike issue in the 450. We'll probably talk about that. So there was maybe some issues with the PRMX bikes on the weekends and uh, or, or coming into these first two rounds at least. So it was good to see him get all three in there. Good points and uh, pretty solid ride. A, a definite uh, good rebound after round number one and, and showcase that he's got some speed to be with the top guys. Uh, Jeremy Mackay, uh, eighth overall, eight eight eight. What do you think of that, Noof? I was better for sure. Um, the the podcast that never went to air last week, obviously, we're talking <laughs> talking about Jeremy. Um, he needed to have something better than <coughs> in Kamloops, that's for sure. And he was better for sure. He looked better in practice right off the get go. Um, probably once again, he's an East Coast guy, so the hard pack doesn't necessarily suit him. But he was consistent and scored good points. Um, I know he's better. He's still better than eighth overall, but uh, he needed to get motos under his belt where he was kind of in the battle. And the starts weren't great, but um, yeah, it was consistent, and I'm sure it's something to build off for him. But uh, I still think you know his potential is is closer to that top five, top five spot, which will come. I think once we get east, um, he's never been out here before, so uh, get these rounds under his belt and and. Uh, yeah, it was it was better. And ninth place was Wyatt Kerr, <clears throat> seven nine nine. So I talked to him after the race, and he was pretty happy to be up there in the top ten. And he's looking to uh, try to work his way up into the top five. Uh, Galdi, what did you think of Wyatt's ride? Uh, well, obviously much better than weekend number one. Got a black flag and a and a on a broken bike at Camloops. So uh, a good rebound, and you know, he's a young kid. Sometimes that can beat up a young kid. Um, beater mindset and stuff like that. So it was good to see him fight back again. Not a lick of him uh, on TV, so I have no idea how he looked on the bike or if he was riding bone naked. I have no idea. <laughs> so, um, but uh, good to see again. He, he's out there with his dad and his grandpa, uh, and they're just they're doing the. It's literally the privateer experience. Yes, he's got help and support, but he's not you know factory help or KTM this or that. He's got Hudson motorcycles and. Some of that kicking in and helping him out. And so it's good to see. And so a good rebound for him. And I can see him only going up from here. Like top five is, 
I don't know. That's going to be tough. Maybe around the Gopher Dunes type stuff. He's a tough character like that. But um, uh, that's a lofty goal. And if he can reach that, that would be definitely something that would be very impressive this year. And 10th overall was uh, Taryn Gerber from Coronation, Alberta. So I wonder if maybe he's a local guy. Do you guys know anything about Taryn? Newford, yeah, 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 yeah. He's yeah, he's local Alberta guy for sure. So those conditions, uh, conditions went right, right into his favor for sure. He wrote well, yeah. Like it was, uh, it was good. He's a club of ex kid. He actually helps on the training side a little bit down there and whatnot. So he was, uh, yeah, he was down there all winter. So there's no question that he has the potential. But uh, yeah, it was a good ride. I think he was, you know, kind of. Honestly, like he's been around for a while. I thought he might be a little bit deeper into the top 10, um, but it was still good. I mean, top 10, local boy. Um, it was a good, good weekend for him. Okay, so outside of the top 10, uh, obviously the one name that really sticks out is Tyler Gibbs with a 15-15-12 uh, for 14th overall. Uh, Goldie, what, what happened there? Well, uh, again, sitting at home on the couch, you got zero um, idea of what happened to Gibbs. I'm just assuming a couple crashes, bad starts all day. And the track never really offered a lot of options for passing it. Like you said at the beginning, it was pretty racy. And if you were smart about it, like the way that Harrison set up Piccolo, and even the way, again, we'll talk about it here in a bit with Dylan Wright, you know, passing two guys in one corner and stuff like that. But um, it, it for guys that are back in those positions, that passing was not – it didn't look like you can, you could see almost like where guys were starting 12, 11, 10, 11, 12, 10, 11, 13, 14. Like they're all finished kind of where they started in, in around that 10th to 15 range. So I'm just assuming Gibbs uh, either saw a little bit of dirt, took a dirt nap out there a couple of times and just got bad starts. And it uh, obviously didn't pay, pay good with 13th. And then same with Dylan Rempel. Uh, he starts fifth and that gets a fifth in that first one impressive second moto that was on tv he crashes in the first turn and that looked like it just kind of ruined the rest of his day a lot of crashing and hitting the dirt 17 and 22 so two big names at around one there not uh not having a good time in the concrete in the dinosaur world okay let's uh head over to the 450s and talk about uh the premier class here uh so new uh <laughs> dylan wright one 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 that's a lot of winning for dylan this year so far uh what do you want to say about that ride yeah, undefeated so far. Um, like, in the inner workings of the team, trust me, we're all a little bit nervous on the conditions for Dylan. He's uh, he's a gasser on the throttle and doesn't uh, doesn't necessarily have the most – he's not the most patient guy out there. Qualifying, like, I'll back it up to that. He, sets his, his, he was three and a half seconds a lot faster than everybody in practice, and I was just like – what the hell is going on here? He was sending it on this track. It was a track that you couldn't send it on, in my opinion. <laughs> um, and he goes out and, and the, the first his first time qualifying, he kind of just felt it out and stuff. And then he goes out and just rides like a maniac in the time qualifier. And like I said, three and a half seconds faster than uh, than the next guy broke. The only guy to break the two minute uh, two minute barrier on the lap time and. Um, his starts were decent in the motos, which is good for him. And then he just like made these guys look a little bit, you know, he was superior on the first couple laps. And that's kind of what he did in Camloops too. He just hammers down, takes big risks, which I don't know if it showed any of the moments on, uh, on TV, Galdi, but he had a few moments where it was like, oh shit, oh shit, he's going down. And then he saves it, he blows off the track on that first 
first moto right in the second or third corner. Um, but he just hammered down and then would manage the manage the lead. So uh, very well, awesome rides for him. I mean, to, to win all three of those sprints, that's something that he couldn't do last year. Um, but uh, yeah, it was overall really good. His bike was working good and, and he, he was firing off. So these 15 minutes to him are so easy. He's barely even breaking a sweat after them, right? So yeah. um, it's it was quite an easy weekend for him, if that makes sense. They did show a little bit of sketchiness where him and Pettis hit on that double coming out of the sweeper, I think it was. Right. They hit in the air on that. They got that on a replay. And then where the Pettis crash was, I don't know if they they connected with each other, but they were side by side going into there. And I think Dylan was passing him around the outside because Pettis had the upper hand coming into that corner. But regardless, uh, I, I think it was Moto, I want to say Moto 2, where he, I, he he comes in the first turn, he's like fourth. He gets kind of smashed around. He falls out to, it looks like about seventh because you can only catch it in a glimpse. And then I think by the end of the lap, he was in the freaking lead. Yeah. like Or maybe Tyler was still leading, but like it was just like, it was like, you know, not to knock me and Newf because we're pretty fucking awesome racers, but it was like we were racing him out there. Like, he was going by those guys yeah. like they weren't even on the track. Dude, uh, the, the, yeah. two, the two for one before the finish line yeah. Was, yeah. Something, was something, and I get it, it, it we're, not, we're not MXGP here or AMA Pro National, but two for one, like, these guys are still good, like, and they were still going fast. And he just jumps down that step down and he's like, oh. I'm just going to go outside here and see what happens. And he passes yeah. two fucking guys. Like, I was passes like, Tyler and Keelan Meston. Like, yeah. like guys that are not shit. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, I asked him after, I'm like, dude, that was unbelievable. Like that doesn't happen in pro racing that often at the, at the highest level in our country. He's like, yeah, I just thought that I'd try something different and I got two guys. So it was awesome. It's just like, he's so nonchalant about it. Um, he, like I said, he just literally, goes as fast as he can go on the first two or three laps, gets into the lead, pulls a six, seven second lead, and then he just manages from there. And it kind of gives these guys, when I'm standing there watching, it gives them a little bit of hope, like the moss and the tea dags, but he can turn it up like that. His yeah. managing of the race is about 80% effort, in my opinion. Uh, Tyler Medaglia, tea dags. Uh, pretty good, solid uh, veteran ride there, Two, two, two. Or two two three for second overall, uh, Goldy. How about that? Uh, on the text message, I go back. He's like, "Dude, I just need a burp. I just want. I just wanted a burp." <laughs> um, he was fast, and he, he did exactly what he did basically the weekend before. Just kind of beat the guys with consistency and good starts again. And uh, he's sitting second in the points. Another, he'd lose another six to Dylan. But again, he was the second fastest guy. Um, uh, for the day, for the majority, other than that last one where Moff got him, but um, he's he's riding well right now. And and the one thing for said for said Moffs and 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 Blackmers and Wards Rosinas, who we'll talk to a bit, if he comes out of this out of this West, which is looking pretty good, in that second position, it means bad news for everybody else trying to beat him once we go east because he is dynamite on everything that's on the East Coast. Uh, third overall, Sean Moffenbeier, three, three, two. Like you said, Galdi, good, uh, good battle in that last moto there. Noof, what did you think of Moff's ride? No, well, I thought it was a good ride, no question. I mean, there, he dislocated his shoulder. Um, the thing was out for about two and a half hours. Had to go to the hospital at Kamloops to get it put back in, which is 
never a good thing. The longer your shoulder's out, the more damage it's doing. But he seemed to get lucky on this one um, as far as the injury side of things go. Um, he got to pop back in. Felt pretty good right away. He rode a little bit on, I believe, Thursday. And I think he was even surprised with how good the shoulder felt. Probably the track couldn't have suited him any better as far as coming off an injury. It really wasn't rough by any means. Um, it wasn't uh, It wasn't like a Kamloops rough, that's for sure. So, uh, yeah, he rode well. He rode well. I mean, he, he got a good start in the second or in the third moto. All the starts were pretty good, but was able to beat T-Dags, um, which I'm sure gives him a little bit of confidence. Um, but I think he was just overall happy to be able to get all three motos in and, and make sure that shoulder's good. So as long as he, uh, you know, doesn't go down on it again or have any kind of weird, uh, you know, weird jerk to it or something like that, it should be good. And I'm sure the week off after uh, after Manitoba this weekend will be, be good for him. But solid, solid for him for sure, which... The MX-101 team, uh, I'm sure, was happy about it. They, that place is probably just like Swift Current. Yeah, he was. Right? <laughs> the track. He, I was bitching and complaining on the amateur day, like, ah, this thing can't ride this dirt. And he's like, what are you talking about? Dirt's fine, right? So he grew up on that He grew up on that type of stuff, windy and, and marbly and stuff like that. So it, it suited him for sure. Uh, Keelan Meston, fourth overall, uh, 444 Moto Scores. Um, Galdi, uh, how about that ride? Uh, solid day. I mean, uh, you want the guy that was the big advocate to go to Drum Heller and uh, and get this national sort of gun going uh, to have himself a good day on and prove uh, that he knows how to ride the track that he was promoting so high. And uh, yeah, he did good. He got good starts again. I think he whole shot the last moto or one or the middle moto. But Keelan's always been a good starter and then kind of works his way back. But it seemed like he was able to kind of hang in there. He's obviously put a little bit of extra effort into training this year uh, to do those first two American nationals. And then it kind of showcased here. And like Newt just said, it wasn't rough. Um, so it plays into a favor of a guy that's got good throttle control, which I think Keelan has. And um, yeah, man, he was, he was impressive. Good to see it. He nearly got uh Moff at the final turn in the middle moto. Um, again, the TV side of things, I'm not too sure why they keep missing these things, but they just kind of like, we're off camera and then they, Oh, look at there's something happened at the finish kind of thing. And it was, so they did just kind of get it and he was right on it, but yeah, good on him. Um, I don't know what his schedule is like after this, but if it's his uh, one and done for, uh, for 2022, he, he showcased some good skill set. Uh, fifth overall for the Michigan boy, Chris Blackmer, another, another good ride. Five, five, six. Uh, what are your thoughts on that new? Yeah, it was good. I mean, <laughs> the depth obviously in the, in the class, uh, isn't isn't the deepest and i don't think this was a strong uh a strong track for chris by any means not as good as kamloops and yeah i thought it was good he wasn't uh he didn't run as close to the front um i would say at the beginning parts of the motos he just looked like he was on a bit of survival mode he did have some good battles there with the lopez guy from uh prmx but yeah solid i mean he's sitting is he third in points right now yeah 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 he is third in points so um, I mean, Sims and the gas gas team and Chris himself, I mean, got to be stoked on, uh, the late addition to him and, and nobody really knowing a whole lot about him. Um, I think same, and I've said this a couple times, come East, uh, cause he is a Michigan boy, which is a lot of sand and stuff like that. I think we'll see him shine and it wouldn't surprise me to see him on a podium, uh, 
come here in a few weeks when you get to the Gophers and the Sandalies and stuff like that, where he really shines. Yeah. But overall, good for him. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know him that well, but I would have to say that he's probably even a little bit surprised that he's sitting third in points uh, after two rounds. Galdi, uh, Weston Rosina, six overall, uh, six six eight moto scores. What are your thoughts on that? Um, actually, Blackmore is fourth. I just looked up the points. Moss ahead of him just by one point. Uh, still, oh, but still, regardless, awesome. But I could Weston and, and Chris Blackmore. One's gone four five. The other one's gone six six. Throw a blanket over them. They had a couple little battles this weekend. But um, I, I would say that Weston's story. Um, Although we do we do know a little bit about Blackmer, but he he's been sort of the most impressive out of these first two. Uh, maybe Blackmer a little bit just because he's ahead of him points and getting those whole shots. But man, just both these kids, I just like seeing it. They're they're kind of fitting in like we kind of we refer to. It's not the deepest field, but there's still these guys are trying hard. They're putting effort in and all that stuff. So it's good to see uh, Weston put, uh, putting time in there. And it was it was really cool to see the fight that he put in. And I think it was Moto number two. Uh, he was passing Lopez and. Uh, maybe it was Ward too. I think he did. He get Blackmere in Moto Two. No, he didn't get Blackmere in Moto Two. Um, but he actually had to pass some guys. Um, it was awesome. I, I like what I've seen out of West. He's a good kid, good family. And I read a tweet from MXP Mag saying that he's like gone. He goes full vegan on the weekend. Doesn't eat bread and dairy or something on the weekends. Um, so hey, maybe he's found something late in his life that's helping him. And, and whatever, dude. Uh, if it if it helps to uh, eat a chocolate chip cookie before the Moto, you do, Roddy, dude. Do it. If this is doing it, do it. It's working right now, and I'd like to see it. Uh, get on the kid. Uh, Noof, what do you think of Tanner Ward's seventh overall with seven, eight, seven scores? Uh, I mean, not where he wants to be, and I think he'd be the first to admit that. I see he put out an Instagram post this morning or late last night saying it was a struggle, but his starts weren't there this weekend, and he just looked uh, – he didn't look comfortable to me at all in the hard pack. Um, I mean, it was good that he got all the motos under his belt, but he is a, a big tick off from those guys that are in front of him. The top five guys anyways, uh, he just, like I said, he just didn't look comfortable, comfortable to me right off the get go. Um, I think he's still trying to figure out the 450 and the setup and stuff like that. His bike looked a little bit rigid to me. And like I said, it's all learning, learning curve for him stepping up to the 450, but, uh, I don't really have a whole lot to say on him for the fact that, you know, that's not where he wants to be. Um, and he's definitely capable of being higher than that, I, I would expect. In my opinion, he should be in that Moffenbeier battle. I mean, he's he's the, the younger guy in the class and should be should be closer to that. And I think that uh, he would admit that himself, that he needs to, needs to step it up and, and get a little bit closer to those five guys. Uh, eighth overall was uh, the Birdman T T Perot eight nine nine. Uh, Is that what we're calling him, the Birdman? That's, that's, that's what I'm calling him. Yeah. I like it. I like uh, it. But yeah, um, Goldie, sorry, go ahead. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, again. Have no clue about anything that T did on the weekend except looking at these results. He didn't get much love on the TV show, so I don't really have much to say. But I mean, he's got to feel good. He's got two top tens in a row here. Um, he finished last year before he hurt himself at Walton with a top 10 in the moto, I believe. So the kid, he's got some skills, him and Quinn Amiot racing that man luck, uh, Yamaha and Fox Canada backing up those guys. So uh, nice and consistent, good solid day. And you got to think that he's feeling pretty good leaving that place and kind of go back with, with Newfoundland about Ward. He didn't look comfortable. Well, in the text message, what he's like, dude, I just, 
I was just like scared all weekend. Every time I, I felt like I wanted to get on the gas that I would break loose or I would hit a kicker and I just, he wasn't, uh, he didn't feel strong on his bike and, uh, for T maybe feeling the same thing. I know a lot of the Albertans don't spend a lot of time at Drumheller as the track. It's not, um, one that they go to often. So not too sure how many times he rode to be in an Alberta rider, but got to think he's happy after that, you know, another top 10 performance. So, uh, feeling good. Uh, ninth overall, Felix Lopez. Uh, obviously, the story of his day is that mechanical on the line on the first moto. Uh, second moto, ninth. Did, did, moto did, what ended up? What ended up? Uh, what was it? Did anybody find out? I don't know. Because he yeah. came in three laps, three laps later or something. He ended up getting back into the race. Yeah, they they were trying. <laughs> they put a two minute hold up for him, and the bike that was on go. TV. We did see yeah. that. That was on TV. Yeah, it just didn't. It just wouldn't start. I have no idea why. Uh, why it didn't start just it just didn't go they kept cranking and cranking it then they were trying to jump start him didn't go so the gate dropped and they pushed his bike across the line which is the right thing to do yeah um but then eventually he was out there and uh yeah it was a little bit bizarre but he did ride good in the, in the moto two and three i actually thought for whatever reason he stood out more to me this weekend i don't know if it's because i was paying attention to the fact that he had a bike issue in the first moto and then i noticed him out there but Dude, he is loose, man, on the bike. And I don't know if it showed him on TV at all. Probably not. But No, he got a little guy, bit. A little bit. That guy is loose on the motorcycle. Like, just put his head down and going. He's a bit of a shorter, stockier guy. And he's pretty entertaining to watch. Um, but he has speed. He has speed for sure. And I think that uh, once he gets the bike figured out a little bit more, he'll be... He'll be better than what what he's even what he's even shown, but a nice little addition to our series. That's some international flavor, um, so to speak. And uh, yeah, his his last moto, I believe, was the best. I didn't notice him as much, but uh, in the final results, there he was. Uh, yeah, he was pretty good. You got to think that that track was very similar to whatever he's been born on in Mexico. I don't you think they got. I don't think they got water trucks and tillers and shit no. down there. It's fucking concrete <laughs> and hot. So yeah. uh, you could tell when he was able to get into. The battle, like he was able to push a little bit harder than than Ward and Rosina and, and Blackbear in that last photo, yeah. and that's where he ended up getting that fifth place. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Galdi, Jess Pettis. I don't know if there's much we can really say about it, but uh, do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, so uh, they showed. I don't know if Newt saw it or not, but in the first moment they show the crash. It looks like he kind of loops out um, from what you can see on the TV show. I don't know. Him and Dylan were side by side. Not too sure if they kind of connected a little bit, but I mean, so uh, story is it looks like he's got a broken elbow. Um, mm-hmm. I was sat in JSR uh, yesterday, getting trying to get some information. I didn't realize JSR was actually not at the races, um, but uh, I just happened to be chatting him, and yeah, it's, it sounds like a broken elbow. They were going in to get it looked at and, and stuff like that, and and um, it sucks. Like I mean, this kid is obviously talented as hell. He has showcased it numerous times, but on the other side of it. He showcased that when he hits the ground, his body is made of glass. Um, every time he hits the ground in a bad way, something breaks. And I can't even imagine him right now just sitting in a hospital or sitting wherever he is. He's probably super bummed, super sad. Um, and uh, you, you got to feel for him. But you're also just like, this is the price that, that the sport can pay. And, and you know, we've uh, there's so many riders over the years that have gone through this. And right now, Jess Pettis is becoming that guy that is – he is out, outweighing his good with the bad. Uh, and considering the kids, he's a, a two-time 250 champion and done things in supercrosses the Canadians haven't done in years. And and you you, you got to feel for him, but you also got to be like, God, you know, how much more can his body take? And 
again, it's an elbow. I, I've never broken an elbow. I can't imagine it being some sort of drastic injury if that's what it is. But I, I don't know. It's just as a fan, you're 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 hurt for him. But as like you know, a team manager, sponsor, injury guy, you got to be like, okay, well, like, uh, and then we start looking another direction here. This kid can't seem to keep it on two wheels and keep his body intact either. So these are the conversations that we have, and and uh, right now it sucks for Jess Pettis. Okay, so either of you, is there any anyone else that you want to talk about in in the uh, rest of the field? I mean, obviously, we, we, we got to bring up Brock Littner. Um, knew if you were there, it's a very sad story right now. Um, if you look on his Instagram, it showcased that by the sounds of it right now, he has no feeling from his chest down. We're hoping for good things, but uh, Newf, maybe you could give, uh, I mean, the update's out there, but I don't know if you yeah. saw it or you were, on, you were on site, so give people that'll listen and a bit of an update on, on what you thought on this. <clears throat> yeah, I didn't see the crash. Uh, it happened in the, in the non-seated uh, 450 qualifier there, but anyways... Not a good deal, man. He, the the section where he crashed in was was a tricky one, and the fact that uh, there was a roller section kind of that were a little bit cupped out and choppy, and into a drop off, and I guess he just got kicked weird, and he rode the front wheel down into this gully or ravine, whatever you call it, and uh, it was one of those ones where. He didn't have quite enough momentum to throw him completely over the bar, so he rode the front wheel, and it just piled drove him into the ground. And I, when I got down, I didn't see the crash, like I said, but I got down there to kind of check things out to see what was going on, and it was it was a grim grim scene. I mean, when you cut seeing the section that he crashed, and you knew the outcome wasn't going to be uh, there was nothing good to come out of it, but. Uh, Fuck, man, it sucks. Like, it just, uh, it sucks to anybody. I mean, Brock's a good kid. He's still so young, and, you know, he's had a ton of injuries over his career. Kind of taking a step back and, and works full-time and just kind of wants to do a couple nationals to, to have some fun with his old man. And, God, it's it's heartbreaking. And uh, it was the most bizarre thing. You know, he was there, and he was very calm, and, you could just you could just see the the panic in everybody else's eyes. So yeah, you know, thinking about Brock for sure, and you know, he does have a good attitude. He's always one of those kids that's very positive and stuff like that. And uh, I'm hoping for the best. I mean, he's in Calgary, uh, which is a great hospital, and he had surgery on his back. Um, and I'm hoping hoping for good good things. But you know, these scenarios don't always uh, end up going the way you want them to go. But uh, you never know. He's young and uh, young and strong and tough. And, Hoping for the best. Yeah, for sure. Hoping for the best. Uh, okay, I guess last thing we'll do here is, uh, Galdi, what is your biggest surprise of the weekend and your biggest uh, disappointment of the weekend? Um, I guess biggest surprise, I, I'm a, I mean, I, th- I thought Mitchell Harrison would be good, but I, he surprised me um, how he was able to kind of yank in and, and reel in Pedro and actually make passes and then fight for it. Uh, I mean, he's kind of a brand name to – people that have been around for a while i mean it's not like we're bringing up the gurkies or those kinds of names like i've been here in the past but uh he surprised me i did not think i when piccolo got the whole shot if he was gone he made the crash harrison gets him i, I figured piccolo would be the kid this weekend with the sprint speed and just the skill set that he has but so i'll go with harrison as my surprise and my disappointment uh as you guys are just talking about brock there and again kind of a, obviously the negative moment a lot of injuries 24 dnfs 24 dnfs in the 450 class this weekend. <laughs> like, how does that even fucking happen? Yeah. 24 DNFs. I, I didn't even add up the only 25 guys finished the 
the second moto or sorry, 26 guys finished the, or sorry, the third moto. Like that's, that is just, again, like that is a very, uh, that is a huge disappointment to me to see that many DNFs at our professional national, uh, doing it again. Track was tough. Injuries happened, all that stuff. This isn't me being like, you know, these guys all suck and this is the dumbest thing ever. But that is when you look at that on paper, that is not a good look on the pro side of things. And uh, that's that for me is my disappointment. 24 DNFs in the, in the 450 class over the three models. Okay. New, same question. Biggest uh, surprise and biggest disappointment. Yeah, I'll go surprise. Uh, I'll go away from the Harrison thing, even though he was impressive to me. I didn't think that we were going to see that out of him this soon. But uh, I'll go with Racine uh, for being so solid this weekend. Um, you know, last weekend in Kamloops, he did get a podium in the first moto, but was completely spent for the second moto and backed it up with a ninth. But uh, he fought hard. Um, it was the battle for the podium overall between McNabb and uh, Racine and race, whoever beat one another needed was going to get third overall. So uh, I'll go with Sebastian Racine. I thought he dug deep and he was really good on that hard pack stuff, which I didn't necessarily think that he was going to be a, a player. And he was good right from the first practice. He was up on the top of the border bunch and, and whatnot. So biggest, uh, Biggest surprise was Racine for me. Disappointment, I'll go with the in injuries uh, once again. You know, we lost Pettis, Littner, Daniel Elmore. Um, we lost some amateur kids on, on Saturday that were kind of, that were, you know, big-name guys. Um, the injury bug uh, in a series that can't afford any injuries. I mean, no series can afford injuries, but ours especially. That 450 class... Uh, <laughs> is looking pretty grim when you take out uh, Pettis and Elmore, who are both, you know, top 10 guys. So opens the door for some privateer guys to get in there. Okay. Well, I think that about covers everything from uh, Drumheller round two. So thanks for listening to anybody who decides to listen to this. And uh, thanks for doing the podcast with me, boys. Cheers, guys. Thanks, bud.